It's the Dogcast, episode number 171. Dogs going down to Baton Rouge to take on the Tigers. Okay, dog fans, it's the Dogcast, episode number 171. This is the shiny, happy podcast, full of positivity, old dog. We're going to be upbeat, baby, because we've got a tough game ahead of us. 3.30 on Saturday in Baton Rouge against the LSU Tigers. Old dog, are you feeling good? Are you feeling happy? Full of positive energy? Uh, yes. All right, baby. We're off to a hot start then. Look, we're going to play the LSU Tigers in Baton Rouge, a place that Coach Rick says is the loudest stadium he's ever been in. I know you're happy about the 3.30 kickoff, right, Old Dog? You think that's going to help us? I I think it certainly won't hurt us. Uh, it would be a lot louder uh, if we kicked it off at 7 or 8 o'clock on a Saturday night as opposed to 3.30 or 2.30 in the afternoon, their time. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, you know, uh, I'm glad that we're getting it during the daytime because, you know, it is, it's 2.30 their time, which yeah. even even plays to us a little bit better, you know. Um, I tell you, let's start off with some news about practice this week. We've had a really good week of practice. The dogs have really put in a tough week of preparation. You know, Wait, I, I'm all over the place here, as usual. You know, we've got a special interview tonight with Taylor Searles, because, you know, Coach Searles does not do interviews. And nobody gets to talk to Coach Searles ever, well, except me. I, we get to talk to Coach Searles, don't we, old dog? Sometimes. We, yes, we do. When, but, when he's in a talkative mood, which yeah. is often. <laughs> but we do have a Searles on the show tonight. Taylor Searles is going to come on with some special stuff for us a little bit later. Inside but, scoop. Inside scoop, but, you know, Coach Searles has really been kicking the guy's butt this week. But I just want to tell you something real quick, because you might – a lot of people don't understand what football coaches, what Georgia football coaches have to do. Old dog, do you want to hear what an average schedule is for these guys on our staff, offensive line, defensive line? Do you know what the coaches do on a weekly basis? Hit me with it. On Sunday, this is the day after game day, on Sunday they work 11 to 11. Now, every other day of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they work from 8 o'clock in the morning. That's what Stacy says is a late start. Mm-hmm. 8 o'clock in the morning till 11 o'clock at night. Now, for a big game like Alabama or like this week, they go from 8 in the morning till 2 a.m., they go home for about six hours, and then they're right back in there. Then on Thursday, they get in there at 8. Coach Rick lets them off early. They only have to work till 7.30, which is only an 11-and-a-half-hour day. That's their short day. And then on Friday, they do recruiting stuff. They work from 10 till 10 on Friday. Saturday is game day, and the good news about Saturday is they – are free to go home right after the game, but Stacy does game film and stuff after the games on Saturday. 
But man, that is that crazy or what? Eight till eleven every day. His short days, he only works twelve hours. Most days he's working fifteen, sixteen, eighteen hours. Every day, twelve weeks. I mean, you know, of course, it's only 12 weeks of the season, you know. I mean, the rest of the time they're traveling around doing recruiting. But, you know, that's a tough schedule. Tough on uh, your it, it really is. It's it's tough on you physically and mentally, and it's got to be a little tough on the home life too. Exactly, which is one of the things we're going to talk to Taylor Searles about tonight. But still, you know, I just think that schedule is brutal. When I, when I was talking to um, Searles about it earlier this week, it just – I don't know, man. I just think a lot of people don't appreciate, even a coach that you don't like, like let's say somebody like Willie Martinez who's coaching defensive backs, that guy, they're they're all busting their tails, buddy. I mean, you know, like we've said before, it's not that they're not working hard and we're not proud of their effort it's level. Just, it's just some people got it and some people don't. Exactly. But anyway, that's the schedule. So we've had a good week of practice. The boys look good. They've had a lot of practice. Um, they practiced for two and a half hours on Tuesday afternoon, full pads, running wide open yesterday. Um, we did get some more injuries. Old Dog, you want to talk about those injuries? What do well, you... No, man, fill me in. I thought you had that. You, oh. No. No, wow. I mean, I, I, I was going to talk a little bit about Trip Chandler possibly coming back. Ellerby going to dress out in pads, could be ready, but uh, – not going to start, and and you're breaking news to me that somebody else got hurt. Wow, dog fans, you know I'm hot when I'm breaking news to old dog here on well Wednesday afternoon. Coach came out this afternoon in the press conference and said we had two injuries. We got a kid out for the year, and a kid out for this game. Akeem Hebron, who is our backup linebacker, out for the year with a uh, he's got a problem in his foot like rolled over his ankle and evidently it's so bad i mean like he's like like a real ankle problem a lower leg problem so Akeem Hebron that thins out our thins out our linebacking core even more than usual and you want to talk about really thin Aaron White hurts his shoulder today in practice he's out for at least one game leaving us with only one quote unquote healthy tight end, which is Bruce Figgins, who is like virtually day-to-day with his shoulder problem. So, you know, we are as razor So you're just, you're just taking Keontae Tripp right out of the mix there, tight end, huh? Uh, yeah, I'm taking Keontae Tripp out of the mix. As an effective tight end, yeah, Keontae Tripp does not make the grade there. And, you know, what we may see is uh, possibly Tripp Chandler, and he's got – He's 50-50 at this point, and don't be surprised if uh, you see Brandon Sutherland uh, lining up there Absolutely. for some of the plays. And Brandon Sutherland, could be, I think, would be an effective, a really effective tight end because, I mean, he can block and he can catch. So, you know, we can get by, but still, we're just injuries, man, injuries. Injuries all over the field. Both sides of the ball have really presented a problem for the, for the dogs this year. Yeah, yeah it, it's been our Achilles heel, no pun intended. Yes. And speaking of um, inside scoops and stuff, you know Stacy Searles did used to be the offensive line coach at LSU. That was his last job. So he knows a little bit about LSU, knows a little bit about their defensive line and their philosophy, probably knows more about their inside philosophy. Even though he coached under Nick Saban, he still knows a lot about 
the staff there, because they didn't have a whole lot of staff turnover when Saban left. He knows more about the staff than anybody else on our staff and has offered a lot of insights to guys like Corey Irvin and Cade Weston about what they should do against the offensive line of, of LSU. So I think that's been a big help for the guys this year. Corey Irvin was talking about it in the postgame press conference yesterday about all the stuff he's learned about from Coach Searles this week about LSU. So, uh, you know, that's been out there, and I think that's going to be a big help for us. On the well, offense, we're certainly, we're certainly going to need all the help we can get. There ain't no doubt about that. You know, there are people that say LSU's defensive line is the best defensive line we've faced this year. What do you think about that, old dog? I mean, what I, do you would, think? I mean, having watched a couple of their games, I would probably have to agree with that. Uh, they're certainly, you know, probably the two toughest defenses that we faced year to date. Uh, I say Alabama one and uh, South Carolina two, and I'd certainly say that in looking at those teams, LSU's defensive front is far superior to South Carolina's, and it gives a totally different look than the Alabama line did, which just gave us fits. But Alabama's run to three four, where LSU runs a much more traditional, you know, four three setup, and uh, they've got a lot of experience up there. I mean, they're seniors and juniors across the line, probably with a couple guys that are going to be playing at the next level. So we've got a bunch of freshmen, redshirt freshmen and sophomores you know, going against some very experienced players. And you know those guys are licking their chops when they see all those uh, freshman and sophomore rankings after our offensive line names, you know? Oh, no doubt about it. But um, I'm hoping that Coach Searles is going to be able to get them ready and get us ready because, you know, as we've said a million times, this game is going to be decided in the trenches, you know, and we really are going to have to control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball if we hope to be competitive in Baton Rouge. So... In addition to controlling the line of scrimmage, old dog, what do you think we need to do this week? What other things are you focusing on? Are you keying on? Well, I mean, it's the same. You know, it's the same thing. First and foremost, is we cannot be plagued with penalties in this game because this game is going to be a three, you know, touchdown win at the at the most. Yes. Uh, can't be giving away yardage. We can't be doing stupid stuff to stop drives. We are going to have to play error-free. Uh, we can't be throwing interceptions. We can't be putting the ball on the ground. We, we've got to limit turnovers. We can't be making stupid throws. Uh, you know, less, you know, Stafford had a bad game last week. Let's hope that's all it was. Uh, but he's going to have to stay in the pocket a lot more and is going to have to set himself to throw because this is definitely going to be the best defense that we have played all year. And uh, he's going to have to play better than he has the last couple games. I mean, this barely scraping by mediocre teams like Tennessee and Vanderbilt isn't going to cut it. We are definitely going to have to raise our level of play far beyond what we have showed this year so far. Well, I and, tell you, and the real key to victory would be not to throw a pass at all and to do nothing but run the toss sweep. <laughs> you know, red and black. Yeah, I know you saw the article in the red and black today. You loved that, didn't you? It would almost be like I wrote it. 
I know, really. We average, we've run the eight, we've run, for the people who don't know, we've run the toss sweep. It's been approximately 17% of our plays. It is the most popular play, the most popular single play in our playbook. And Old Dog says we're not running it nearly enough. He well, wants see, a toss sweep see, on every play. See, and I got, you know, we, we pass more than we have run the toss sweep. You're right, you're right. But no single so, pass play. We run a variety yeah, well, of pass you know, plays. Well, of course not. You know, we, certainly we run a variety of pass plays. But here's the deal. We average eight yards when we run the toss sweep. And my point is I sit next to you in the stadium every time, and I know the people around us are tired of hearing it from me. Yes, but especially this it, person around you. Keep running it until they stop it. Why in the world do we stop ourselves? And we have stopped ourselves way too many times this year. <laughs> well, I agree, old dog, but I'll tell you, you know, you're smart enough to know that if we run it much more often than once every five plays, which is what we're doing right now on average, you know, that eight yard per carry average is going to go way down. If we were running it cool, three out of four it, plays, they're going to start to kind of sniff that out, don't you think? They might, and wouldn't it be real cool for them to kind of set their defense to stop it? It might open something else up, you know. <laughs> A more, you know, I mean, just just what but a bizarre idea. You'd still maybe be against doing something Bobo's else, listening. though. Yeah, you'd still be doing. You'd still be against something else, even if they set their defense to stop it. You'd be like, we're still throwing. I, too I much. tell you what, if we ran it three times in a row and they held us to one yard or negative yards, then I'm all for it. Because I'll tell you what, my guess is. Any time we run a tall sweep, is going to gain us four more yardage than an incomplete pass. Well, I'll give you that, brother. I'll give you that. So, I'll tell you. And, uh, you know, I kind of remember us winning a national championship in a game where the quarterback only threw eight times the <laughs> same amount of times that, uh, same amount of yards that the thing averages. And I remember a uh, running back doing a lot of toss sweeping. Back, you know, back in the day, before we were. Back in, in the you. day, when yeah, back when, in the day before we were tight in oh. you, we used to be running back you. Yeah. And what was the signature Georgia play? I'll tell you what the signature Go Georgia play was. It. Go it, ahead and say it. It was we, we had five NFL offensive linemen, old, old dog, back then. I'm not just and I'm not just talking about when Herschel was there. I'm talking about the boys that came after him too. You're talking about the Tim Worleys and the uh, the Garrison Hurst and the. Uh, you know, you're talking about the and Rodney Hampton and Robert Edwards. I'll tell you, Robert Edwards, great toss sweep running back. Great sure toss was. sweep running back. And you know, you you hit the guy when he's already halfway up to speed. It gives him a chance to pick out a hole, and he can turn upfield a lot faster than he can on some of these delayed handoffs and stuff we have. And again, I mean, we don't need to belabor the point, but when you got something that works, why change it? So moving on, you stole most of my thunder on the keys to victory. I'm going to tell you the number one key to victory is limiting errors, which is why up till now on the Dogcast we've been pounding it home that we need to work and focus on playing mistake-free football. Because when you get to a stadium like Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge, things like 
penalties and turnovers, that stuff, it gets a whole lot harder to limit penalties because you're in a much more hostile environment. It's louder. The snap count, offsides penalties, things like that. You get excited because of the crowd. It's easier to make late hits, easier to get out of your game on defense and get out of your game on offense. And that's why you work on this stuff leading up to games like this so you don't have to work on it and focus on it so much it's automatic when you go on the road to LSU. But I'm going to tell you, dog fans, number one, limiting penalties and turnovers. That's the name of the game. We've got to not hurt ourselves. We need a mistake-free game in order to win. Secondly, we're going to have to make a statement in the trenches. On the defensive side of the ball, we're going to have to continue to stop the run, and we're going to have to put pressure on this kid, these two quarterbacks, um, the Harvard boy and the other guy. We're going to have to put pressure on these kids. One's named Lee, and I can't remember the other fellow's name. Yeah, Hatch. Hatch Hatch. and Lee. You got like Andrew, you got Jarrett Lee and Andrew Hatch, I think. These kids are not very good under pressure. So we're going to have to bring out some of these disguised and hidden and put up on the shelf blitz packages that Willie Martinez has kept from us this year. And we're going to have to get in this kid's face while maintaining our run defense. So. The key, I mean, as, as far as I'm concerned, the key is we've got to stay close, play hard. You're right, old dog. It's a field goal game. I mean, it's going to be a field goal win. It's going to be three points one way or the other. This is not going to be a blowout. This is going to be a dig. I'm slobber knocker, baby. And we've got is. to get in there and mix it up with these guys. We do, and we are going to have to play better on much, much better on both lines of scrimmage than we have this year. This needs to be, and hopefully they've got it in them, but this needs to be our coming out game. Uh, this will be the third, I believe, the third game in a row where at least our offensive line is set, as young as they are. But the more they play those positions and the more they play together, certainly the better they're going to get. And, uh, you know, this is a key. This is a key game. This is going to, this is a season maker or breaker right here. Yeah, I'm telling you what, baby. I mean, I, and I'll tell you something else, too. I talked to some other people. Well, I'm not even going to say that. I'm not going to say what I was about to say. But, but let me hint around. Old dog, I did talk to some people this week, and they said, you know, if we've got to split the LSU-Florida set, you know, and I'm not I'm not saying I want to do that or I'm projecting that or anything like that, but, you know, there are people out there that say things like, if we have to split you know, win one and lose one. The one to lose, of course, is the is LSU for lots of reasons because it helps us in the East and all that kind of stuff, you know. But I don't want to go into this game with that mindset. We need to serve notice. And like you said, this has got to be our coming out game. This has got to be the game where we serve notice on Urban Meyer that we're coming next week, you know, that yeah. we can play, that we've got game and we're a legitimate top ten team and we're going to bring it next week on Florida. We need to have them thinking. We need to have them worried because I don't want Florida to pin their ears back and pound us next week. Uh, No, and I don't want LSU to do it this week either. No. And both teams are certainly capable. I mean, that... The game that LSU played at Florida where they got beat by 30 points, that was an aberration. And we don't need to fall into the trap that South Carolina fans fell into last week thinking, oh, you know, this was a paper team. You know, they came in with so much hype, but they really can't play. I mean, 
they were within seven points of Florida in the third quarter. Oh, yeah. And then things just turned on them. 21-14. you had a couple things that went bad, and it just snowballed on them. But, I mean, this this team is not a bad team. This team is probably the second-best team, uh, certainly the second-best team that we've played. I think Alabama is probably better than they are, yeah. but, not, but not by much. This and, team's uh, much better, much better than like a Tennessee team or even or much, South Carolina. Exactly. I mean, we are going to have to play our butts off for 60 minutes, and we need to get it going. And, you know, we, we hit the same points every week, and they don't seem to happen. But, again, you know, the keys to us winning are penalties, dominating the line of scrimmage, and mounting some kind of pass rush and putting pressure on the quarterback. And I'm going to add another key to victory, keeping Brian Evans off the field. <laughs> Wait, before we get to the Brian Evans thing, I've got another legitimate key to victory also. We're going to have to play really good. We're going to have to have our best game on special teams. Yeah. Specifically, kickoff coverage and punt coverage. These guys have – LSU has a fantastic punt returner top three in the country. They have a fantastic kickoff return team, and we've been getting better. We really have been getting better. Blair Walsh has been kicking the ball better, and our coverage has been better. Drew Williams, as always, lighten it up on kickoff coverage. But we're going to have to be flawless because these guys will make you pay on a punt return, and they will make you pay on a kickoff return too, especially if your kickoff team is trying to capture some momentum after you've just scored, you're starting to feel really good. We cannot afford returns to our own 45 or our own 40 or even midfield. So we're really um, going to have to step it up on, on special teams as well. You're right. And, and another little hint, and I've passed this on to my 11- and 12-year-olds, I'm going to pass it on to the Georgia team, too. When they're punting to you, and you think it may be deep, you put your heels on the 10, and if you've got to back up, you wave your hand and you let it go. That's right. Asher Allen, leave the ball alone. (laughs) I think you mean Prince Miller, but I know who you're talking about. Um, well, old dog, I tell you what, we've still got uh, we've got a, we've got two special segments here to wrap up the show with Taylor Searles and the guys from the Go Show down in Baton Rouge have got a few things to say to us as well. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap up our segment here, dude. Go ahead, finish this thing up. What do you got to say? What's your closing thoughts for this week? I want to see a toss sweep to the wide side of the field on every play till they hold us for less than two yards on each one. Three times in a row, you know I'm joking, but we have got to we have got to be able to run the ball. We need to keep LSU's offense off the field. We need to try to tire out their defense, and we need ball control. We need to use our running game. Uh, and you know, so far this year, our running game has been better, uh, and that may open up if they can't pin their ears back. Maybe Stafford will be a little more comfortable in the pocket because I think probably some of the problems he's having this year is he just doesn't feel comfortable with the line. Right. And I he's think getting right. those happy feet back there. And happy feet make for bad Stafford throws. Boy, they sure do. 
Well, I tell you what, dog fans, we've got some special stuff here for you. We're going to go now to the guys at the Go Show, and uh, we had a little uh, little roundtable with those guys earlier today. We're going to talk to them about LSU and the state of football down in Baton Rouge, and then we're going to our special guest reporter, Taylor Searles, oldest daughter of Stacy Searles. She's going to give us some inside info from deep inside the Searles household. So, uh, dog fans, stay with us, and... Um, Old dog, we'll get back in just a second. First up, it's this little bit we got with the guys from the Go Show down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We go live to the show in progress. I tell you, I got a question. I got a question for you guys. I got a question for you guys. We're trying. I mean, we're just. Tell me, is this if this is wishful thinking or not? Because we were expecting this game to be a 7:45 kickoff, you know, which would be 6:45 LSU time, and now it's been moved, you know, to a 3:30. It's the CBS game, which is a 2:30 kickoff. Would you say? I'm not saying that it's not going to be a crazy environment, but do you think that making it a 2.30 kickoff instead of a, a true nighttime kickoff, don't, do you think that's going to help the dogs it, uh, even just a little bit? I'll, I'll start out, Pat. Um, statistically, you know, historically, Derek, it, it, it most certainly points in that direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think over the last um, seven, eight years since – since Nick, since Nick Saban came to LSU and installed and instilled this, you know, we, we went from a team, you know, in the 90s, we had a couple bright, couple bright years with Donato, and then we fell off again, um, you know, post Curly Holm and Mike Archer era, where we, where we went into games, and I used a uh, 2003 game against y'all um, as my primary example with this, is we went, in, we went into games like that before as a team, you know, hoping to win, hoping to win big games. Now we're, now we're the team that goes in expecting to win, and that's, that's something that's um, that, that, that Nick Saban, you know, instilled into this into this program, and I don't think the daytime versus nighttime thing um, matters as much to the football team. It matters to people like me and Pat because we can't get as massively intoxicated as we'd like. Uh, yeah, the, I mean, I'm hoping. I'm hoping four less hours for you guys to drink is going to shave like a whole a full point off your blood alcohol level, and maybe you know maybe that's going to cut down on the uh, the noise factor. You know, at least by ten percent. Really, it's going to mean that really is going to mean that more alcohol is going to be snuck into the stadium than usual. <laughs> you know, to get them through the game. All right, but, guys. You know, technically, all the people are getting up there on Friday night anyway, so we'll be you know they'll be raring to go partying all night more than likely on that one. All right, then. We're, well, we're going to find out, you know. What else you guys got going on down there? Uh, I mean, what what are you guys worried about? Uh, uh, a lot of stuff. Uh, there, I mean, there are still primary con- a lot of concerns. I mean, any time. I think our biggest inconsistency, probably you're talking about our secondary right now, you mm-hmm. know. With, yeah. You know, and how is our defense going to come out? I know in the game that y'all had the most trouble with, the opposing team has come out very, very aggressive. And you mentioned it earlier that the more aggressive the opposing team was, especially on defense uh, with your offensive line, they've had some success. Now, in the past few games, other than the game that we just came out of South Carolina where we made some adjustments at halftime, we tend to be laying back, you know, in, a, in our defense playing almost, uh, you know, man you know, coverage and just kind of dropping back and letting them complete and tackling before you know, until we made that adjustment in South Carolina. So I guess the biggest concern is what kind of defense are we going to come out in? Are we going to be a very aggressive defense, get up the field? If Noshawn beats us with a big play or if uh, 
Stafford throws the ball deep one time and beats us, are we going to get out of that or are we going to continue to stick to it? You know, that I guess from my point of view, that's our biggest concern. I would rather make a mistake being very aggressive rather than sitting back and just let them methodically go down the field because Georgia does have the talent to do that easily. You know, we had a um... – we had a 17-play, 11-minute drive to finish off the Tennessee Volunteers. And, you know, we have the number one, from a yardage, like catches and yardage standpoint, we have the number one receiver in the SEC coming in with A.J. Green. Um, between A.J. Green and Noshawn Moreno, you know, those guys put up, they put up really sick numbers. And uh, I'm just wondering what you guys think. Uh, do you guys feel confident in being able to stop uh, A.J. Green downfield, and Noshawn Moreno at the edge? Well, I think you're going to see a lot of double coverage in the secondary. You know, we, we don't have that quote. We've always had for the past six years, seven years or so, that shutdown corner to match up with the big receiver. I think what you're going to see is a lot of safety help over on him, which you know, I don't know how your number two and three receivers are. They're going to see a lot of man coverage or single coverage. And then I think Noshawn, you know, with the speed, we do have a lot of speed at linebacker. If our defensive line gets up the field and allows his linebacker to come through, I think we'll be okay. Other than that, if we allow him to get past that first line, I think we're in a heap of trouble if he's getting five, six, seven, eight yards at a pop. Yeah, you know, you guys know, because everybody's seen Noshawn Moreno run, the way, you know, if you're going to stomp Noshawn, it's got to be at the point of attack. If he gets past the – if he really gets any kind of significant yardage past the line of scrimmage – I mean, I know it kind of goes without saying, but what I mean is if he gets an open field, open space – he he really he can really make you pay a lot worse than if you if you stack him up at the line, you know. So um, I think that's going to be the challenge for you guys is, is stacking him up at the line of scrimmage. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, week in and week out, Derek. I mean, when you get to the harder SEC, I mean, every game is pretty much won in the trenches. I know it's a cliche, but it, it certainly rings true. I mean, our our strength, our strength along defense is is the front seven, especially the front four. Mm-hmm. Um, penetrate, penetrate the old young offensive line with uh, lack of a better term. There, it sounds kind of homo, but uh, <laughs> getting, you know, getting, uh, getting penetration, you know, up front and uh, you know, forcing him to try to bounce it outside. You know, like you said, he can, he can still, he's got, he's talented enough the way he can bounce it outside and still make the pay. I think if we're able to do that, we got to be able to, we got, we got to be strong at linebacker to not let him get to that second tier. I mean, we have a problem this year. I think four of our top five tacklers are, are, are in the secondary. Um, if you know, if our top three, four tacklers in this game are all defensive backs, then that's going to tell the tale right there of how you know how well, how successful he was, and how successful y'all were at throwing the football downfield as well. So that's that's something that concerns me. Uh, wrapping up tackling um, is always you know the primary concern because some guys you know some guys just you know, I don't think tackling's taught, you know, coached as well as it should be um, these days in college and pros. I mean, you see a lot of, a lot of poor tackling going on right there. So that's that's what kind of concerns me. I, I think we can, you know, I think we can, I think we have a, you know, a slight edge in the, in the trenches on defense um, against the young offensive line. The key is going to be being able to contain him and our linebackers being able to wrap up and swarm to him and not let him bounce outside like you were talking about because he is because he is that talented of a running back. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, you know, and I'll tell you, I get, I get, I take heat for this because I, I talk about this guy a lot. But you know, our secret weapon, if we have a secret weapon, is our, our guy, our former LSU offensive line coach Stacy Searles, who is now the offensive line coach here 
if if anybody can get our young offensive line ready, it's a uh, former LSU assistant Stacy Searles. So I'm hoping he's going to have them ready for you guys. Hey, I, hey I, you, you got, I got a, you got a good guy in Searles down there. That guy was good over here. Yeah, um, I don't know if you I, guys I, saw I, this. I don't know if you saw it, but they had an article in the in the paper, in the Athens paper here in Athens this week, about how Coach Searles has been coaching our defensive line this week on how to best attack y'all's offensive line because, you know, he knows a pretty good bit about LSU's offensive line and, and their philosophy and stuff. And he's been helping out with our defensive guys trying to get them prepared to attack your offensive line. So, Stacy's a real team player. Coach Searles is a is a good guy, and, and he's really helping us out a lot this week. Oh yeah, and yeah, any advantage you can have, most certainly, and that's a, a valuable uh, you know asset. Yeah, it's a no brainer down here. G e a u x s h o w dot com, where you can find it. Go spell with the e a u x on the end. That's how we do things out here. We're, we're backwards. Uh, All right, man. Oh, uh, listen. I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, you got a score? I, I'll tell you this, and I'm, I'm already on the record. I think this I think this game, I really do think this is going to be a three-point game one way or the other. I think it's going right. to be it's going to be something like 24-21. I'm just – I think we're going to have the 24, and I think y'all are going to have the 21. But it's going to be a damned close game. I tell you, it's going to be tough. I'm going to throw a number out there just to piss your fans off, but I'm going to probably change it later on when we do our actual score predictions when we do our show. Yeah. 46 to 2, we're going we're gonna to win. <laughs> <laughs> 40, did you say 46 or 26? 40, I said 46. Oh, okay. Do you score yeah. that all in the half like Alabama? Oh, no. or do we, oh, I, I'm on a safety kick this year, Derek. Every score I give has to include a safety in some, at some point in the game. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it kind of started one weekend. Every game, up, every game, one of our Saturday shows that we do sometimes that never get released because we're too drunk and we're just rambling on. Yeah. Uh, every sport I gave that Saturday had a safety in it somewhere, so I'll continue <laughs> with that tradition. All right, it's buddy. Kind of, uh, I, I appreciate uh, the tradition. Okay, that was the guys from the Go Show, G-E-A-U-X show.com. But uh, it's time to move on now. This is the the segment of the show you've all been waiting for, making her – Big debut on the Dogcast here at the Dogcast.com is the oldest daughter of offensive line coach Stacy Searles, Taylor Searles, and this is a little interview we did earlier today with her. We're here with Taylor Searles, who is the Taylor. You're the oldest, right? Yeah. Yeah. Taylor's the oldest daughter of Stacy Searles, who's the offensive line coach for the University of Georgia. Taylor, thanks for being on the show. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> so you've been. How many cities have you lived in? I mean, you've been around. I, I kind of want to, like, establish for everybody that you know what you're talking about. You know, I know you're kind of young and everything. What what grade are you in now? I'm in sixth. You're in the sixth grade. So you're, yeah. what, like uh, 11? 11, yes. 11, cool. But you've been traveling with your dad. You know, he was at LSU before he was at Georgia, right? Yes. And and you remember being at LSU and everything, I guess, right? Yes, I do. Cool. So what's it like, you know, being the daughter of the most awesome offensive line coach in America? It's really, really fun because, like, all the players, like, know who you are and you get to talk with them and you just sort of do what – and you can go there and just know everybody and play on the practice field and – 
go to all the games and you get to hang out in the locker room and stuff and uh yes. the weight room and everything yes in the weight room we uh do like this boot camp thing me and my friends do right and we get on like um i'm not really sure what they're called but they lift the weights and right you like stand up and do it well and we like hang on those and do pull-ups and like kick and stuff, <laughs> and cool. we like time each other for like two minutes and do it. It's really fun. Who would you say? Who's like? Who's your like? Who's the player that like messes around with you the most? Like, who's your favorite player that like plays around with you? Um, Brandon Sutherland. He causes trouble. I'm trouble one. My friend Anna Corson is trouble two, and my sister Savannah is trouble three. <laughs> okay. And, yes, but then Asher Allen. Um, he's really small ears. So we always make fun of that. Then he calls us short, but he really doesn't need to be calling us short because he's really short too. So so, so Asher's kind of short too, and he and he has really small ears. Yes, really small ears. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well you know that's the kind of that's the kind of inside information we're, we want out of you, Taylor. I appreciate it. So <laughs> what um, I know you guys get to ride on the elevator. You guys are like the elevator girls, right? Yes, we're the uh, elevator operators, and um. Tell us about the whole. Out, tell us about the elevator. What, what elevators are you talking about? Uh, well, in um the Buttsmere building um, on campus where my dad works, there's um two elevators that go from the first floor to the fourth. Right. And every Monday night, um, they have family night where all the families come and meet with the players up on the deck. Right. Of the building. Yeah. And so before everybody um, comes to eat while they're going up there, me and my friend Anna, we get on the elevators and we each have a side and we press the buttons yeah. for the players going up. And then we um, hand out candy to them, two pieces of bubble gum or cookie rolls or Jolly Ranchers, just whatever we can have for that yeah. day. Right. And we, um, but for Halloween, like, we make them say trick-or-treat for the candy and stuff. <laughs> and you guys do that every Monday? Yes. That's cool. So now, tell me about this new – I know we just got a new blocking sled, like a new piece of equipment, and it's got his face on it, right? And yes. I heard that the players – like, something happened to it. Tell me about that. Well, okay, well, it's this thing. It's called To The Max. I think, and um, the players, you know, push on it to see how, like, strong their push is or whatever. Right. And, um, uh, well, they say it's molded after my dad's face because the face is really, really ugly. Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> so they kid around. They're like, yeah, it's molded just like your dad's face. and stuff. But then somebody, I'm not sure who, they tore off its nose. Right. So now it's, like, this big face and body with, like, no nose. It's right. It's really funny. It's like a big hole. It's really cool. So it looks <laughs> it looks even more like your dad now since the nose got ripped off, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> okay. funny. So, um, yeah. Well, I tell you, I got I got one more question for you now. I know you um you you know you've spent some time in LSU when you guys were at LSU. Nick Saban was the coach and. Your dad worked for Nick Saban, and then he came over to God's Country and got a job with Coach Rick working for the University of Georgia, which is, as you know, the greatest football program in the world. And mm -hmm. but I know you've been at LSU and you've been at Georgia, so you kind of know about both of them. What are you thinking about this coming weekend? You know, we got to go to Baton Rouge, and you've lived in Baton Rouge, and you know what it's like. You know what that atmosphere is like. How do you think the dogs are going to do this weekend? What, what's your prediction for the game? 
I think they're going to do really good, like the best they can, and I'm I'm really excited to watch the games. I'm going to be looking for all my friends, and um, I wish I could go, but my mom's not going to let me, so I'm really yeah. excited about that. I think they're going to do really good for the game, and I think we're going to win it, like a pretty good win since the way I think we'll do good away games. And yeah, that's right. We're good on the road, aren't we? And I think we'll dominate. Hey, I tell you what, I like your attitude, Taylor. I really do. I think you're right on point. And uh, I hope that prediction comes true. And I hope yeah. maybe I get to talk to you on the show some later, okay? Maybe later in the season we okay. can we can visit again yeah. and you can give us some more stories about what's going on. Come with me. All right. Tell your dad I said hey. Okay, well, <laughs> bye. All right, bye. Okay, dog fans, so that's going to just about wrap it up, man. I tell you what, it's always nice to have a Searles family member on the show. Old dog, you know, we've been really serious. This is all business, baby. This is big-time SEC football. What have you got to say to kind of lighten the mood, to put us in a put a positive well, I, spin I, on things? Derek, I tell you, I'm wondering, and I'm sure most of our listeners are, have you given up your man crush on Coach Rick and shifted it over to Stacy, or are you in love with both of them? <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of I in mean, love. I mean, because if you got paid by the number of times you mentioned the Searles family tonight, <laughs> you would be a millionaire. No, no, I do not have a man crush on Stacy Searles. I want to tell I, you that. I, I think you protest too much. No, no, I not just, in the I same mean, way. Look, look, the man crush is established. We just need to know, have you, have you dumped Coach Rick? Or are you torn between the two? No, I'm not torn between the two. <laughs> Coach Rick is the only man for me, okay? I like Coach Searles. I've, so, known, I've known the Searles for a long time. But, no, I'm a, I'm a one-man guy. Coach Rick is the guy for me. I, I want you to know. I, okay, well, I didn't, I, didn't want, I didn't want Coach Rick to be jealous. I want to be clear. I mean, because, really, uh, you I know. I think we needed to clear that up. I can't was, let Coach Rick get his feelings hurt. It was getting a little gooey. No, no, I'm, I'm all in on CMR, baby. Um, but, anyway, that's going to wrap up this show, dog fans. Listen, if you like the show, tell a friend. If you don't like the show, still tell your friends and then beat it. Now, Give us a call at 706-534-1516, or you can email us at dogcast at gmail.com. And I want to give one more plug for my good friend John Schwall. His email is listed in the show notes. If you're interested in one of those figurines, one of those custom sports figurines, John can do one for you. Any color jersey, you want a white, red, or black jersey, just about any pose. And I think he can get most of the different players. Custom order, custom figurines, just what you want. He's got some great ones, old dog. You've seen my little notion on my desk. But oh yeah. He does them the little six inch figurines, the twelve inch figurines. Those little the little football players, man, they're awesome. They're, and is it true he's working on some of me and you? Well, I tell you, I think it might be. He's trying to get an action photo of you, like with the with the bottle of McAllen twelve year old in your hand, and um, pouring the Noshan Kool Aid. There you go, baby. Get glass, get ice, get McAllen. What else? There you, you go. Need? That's all you need. That's the whole recipe. Dog fans, that's going to wrap it up for the Dogcast. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with the post game show on Sunday. As go, usual. Go dogs. Hey guys, it's uh, John from Powder Springs, and uh, 
the first thing is that old dog, you're exactly right. We need more toss sweeps to the wide side. You know, uh, God bless Stacy Searles, and Lord knows what our offensive line would be like if uh, he wasn't there. But, you know, when you've got a dominant defensive line coming up, throw some toss screens to the wide side, and let's see how many wind sprints those uh, defensive linemen uh, can handle. I uh, won't knock them down a notch. Uh, two other things, uh, Derek, keep an eye out in your inbox. I'm going to send you two links. The first one is um, Stephen Garcia. Did you see him get knocked down and tackled by the ref in last week's um, South Carolina uh, LSU game? Um, I mean, usually when a player runs into a ref, it's the player that takes uh, the, the ref that takes the uh, most punishment. But this uh, uh, ref just put a chip block on Stephen Garcia and knocked him on his tail. Now I have I have it on good authority that Lowndes County High has contacted South Carolina in an effort to add them to their next year's non-conference schedule. After they saw uh, Stephen Garcia go down, uh, Lowndes County felt they were up to the competition that South Carolina was going to offer. And number uh, two, the second thing is that the link I'm going to send you, it's uh, an Alabama fan uh, made a video about Auburn, and it is one of the funniest things I have seen in a long time. And since, uh, you know, I hate both schools, Alabama and Auburn, um, it's pretty funny. Um, uh, so keep an eye out for that. I'm going to send them to your inbox. And uh, this is John from Powder Springs. Go dogs.